really warm welcome to the teaching ministry of New Life Church Crawley. We're a multicultural, intergenerational church. And we believe in the gospel of Christ. We believe in spreading his love through his word and through his works. We really hope that you enjoy what you hear today. We'd love for you to connect with us via the usual social media outlets, such as Facebook or on our website. To God, and so when that's in- interpreted, which is what Carol actually did, uh, it reflects our worship to God. That's what tongues primarily is. It's it's a worship to God, and so the interpretation should reflect that. And so I just wanted to help you get some context uh, and have some understanding of that if that's not something you're familiar with. So we're going to move on to the the rest of the announcements. Welcome everyone. Uh, A little bit later, halfway through the message, we're we're going to have a dedication of Edie this morning. So she's hyper excited and all dressed up. Uh, So um, she has somewhere to go today. So uh, we're going to do that a little bit later in the message. So we have some of the family here as well. So we're, we're glad to have you guys. Thank you for coming all the way from Southampton. Uh, if you are a guest, uh, you should have received a little welcome pack. If you haven't, then shout to us afterwards, we'll give you that, and in that will be a little welcome card. If you'd like to keep connected with us uh, in some way, whether it's online or through email or uh, by attendance, then fill in that card, give it to myself or one of the team. Uh, I usually follow up with that within 24 hours uh, just to say hi, and then you have all, all my details. Uh, for those of you who are watching online as well, um, then you can fill in newlifecrawley.church forward slash connect. Next slide, please. Well, we're continuing with our summer events. Most of the the midweek groups are are finishing, but we have lots of events. And those of you who are on our signal group will have noticed I had to go and have a lie down uh, and a shower after Wednesday afternoon because we had 51 adults and 99 kids here. And the rain stayed off till everyone else cleared off and I had to clear all the outside toys up. So I, I was sweating on the inside and soaked on the outside. So I went home, had a shower and a lie down. But I'm on holiday this week and I'm praying that we break the 100 mark because Kerry's, <laughs> Kerry's back. So thank you for those of you who've been involved with that and helping us, it's been really good. I know the parents, some of you are here, have really enjoyed that and been able to participate in that. There is a leaflet flying around somewhere that lists uh, uh, all the events that we have over the summer um, and it should be online as well. Grace doesn't appear. Oh, she is. She appeared uh, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come, come forward. Grace, you wanted to say something on prayer. So... Thank you very much. What? No, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, can't, I cannot let that Don't go. Be Don't be distracted. No, come on, come on, look at those. Put those out there. Seriously, no hiding. I'm hiding here. Have a look at her shoes. Don't look at my shoes. Look to Jesus and then look at her shoes. Good morning, everyone. Um, I'm just going to talk about a little bit about prayer. Um, as you can see on here, we've got prayers um, from Sunday. Um, it's called Engage Prayer. That's us coming in the morning on a Sunday um, at 9.30 to pray. You know, prayer is good. Um, prayer is um, it's the way we communicate with God and we can't pray enough. It's not, um, 
enough to just pray in the morning and just maybe come to church and pray or pray in the evening. You can constantly communicate with God. You, you have that access to talk to God at all times. What a privilege that is, that we can call on God any time of the day. You know, so I want to encourage you all not to just come to church on a Sunday, like when we started church, and just have that prayer and have that um, session where we, you know, I want you to come in early if you can at 9.30 and we can just pray and commit um, the service into God's hands and just, you know, just be ourselves and just let yourself just, you know, pour your hearts to God. It is good to pray. So it says it here, what is prayer? It says prayer is a cry or supplication to God. It can be defined as the expression of the burden of the heart and soul's desire to God. It is the act of communicating with God, an instinct that must have utterance. Then it says, um, prayer is a great delight. It is pouring out the heart and seeking the face of the Lord. There are many kinds of prayers. A prayer of intercession. That's when we pray for people, you know. Um, a prayer of intercession is praying for others to stand in the gap between God and man. So it's always good for us to pray for others as well, not just ourselves. So I will encourage you to come. If you can, well, you should make time, to be honest, if you can. Um, on a Sunday, 9.30, um, just for half an hour, if you can. You know, let's just pray. Because prayer is good. It's feeding your soul. And it gives you that um, opportunity to just be connected to God at all times, not just specific times, you know. So um, I will encourage you to pray. Because when you feed your soul, you feed your heart with the, with, you know, with, with, with the word of God, it empowers you. So there's power in prayer. Your place of prayer, I always say that, is your place of power. So please come you know, from uh, 9.30 on a Sunday morning before um, service starts. Thank you. Excellent. Thank you, Grace. So we're going to start that after the holidays. Grace, as many of you will know, is our prayer coordinator. And we have our regular rhythm of encounter nights on Friday. Uh, once, once a month, isn't that right? Yeah, it is once a month. Um, uh, and so we felt it was good on a Sunday morning. Some of us are already here uh, and are prayerful. So please, uh, if you're able to join us, we'd love to see you. We also want to talk about giving because that's a part of our worship as well. I'm sure you recognize that. It's not something that's extra. It's not something that's special. This is a normal part of the Christian life. And we've been doing a little mini series on, on tithing and frequently asked questions about that. And I think one of the things about tithing, it helps us remember that everything we have belongs to God. We're not giving God 10%. It all belongs to him. And the Bible talks about stewardship. And first, uh, Titus 1, 7, it says that those who are leaders in the church are, are God's stewards of the church. It's a really important responsibility. And in 1 Peter 4, verse 10, he says of all of us that we should be good stewards of God's grace. Because all of the gifts that we have... Uh, whether they're material, financial, or spiritual, they're all because of God. They're all because of God's grace. And so he comes and says to us, be stewards of God's grace. And a steward is someone who manages uh, the owner's assets for their benefit. It's his job to find out what the owner wants and with his assets and then carry out his will. And God's made clear to us in scripture that all we have comes from him. It all belongs to him. And uh, what we do with that is, is really important. So that's one of the reasons why we encourage you to give. There's some envelopes at the back. Many of you uh, give by standing order if you're regular here and we really appreciate that. 
and that's important for us uh, to help us do the ministry. So we don't pressurize anyone, but we do talk about it as a, a responsibility and an opportunity as, as we reach across. You can also give online for those of you who are watching online or uh, those of you who do clever things with your QR codes on your phone. So, so that's great. Thank you. And just to say that from tomorrow, Bev and I will be on holiday for a couple of weeks. Um, so don't contact us. <laughs> That's what my wife told me to say. So <laughs> she did on the car on the way up. I hope you're telling them not to contact you. So there you go. If you need pastoral care during that time, then please see David and Ian, who are elders in the church. Uh, and Kerry and Liz, who are staff members here in the church. So there's plenty of people who can take care of you, plenty of nice people around. Um, so please follow up with those guys. Let's pray as we turn to God's word together. Father, we thank you for, for scripture. We thank you for the authority it has in our lives. We pray this morning that we'll come with the attitude that we're going to submit to what it says, even before we know what you're going to speak into our life. We come with that attitude of submission, with the attitude of humility. Anoint our ears to hear what it is you want us to hear this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Many of you know I, I'm the youngest of seven kids, so I, I grew up with all older siblings. And those of you who grew up with older siblings, our close friends around you will know that one of the phrases that used to be used to taunt you was, I know something you don't know. <laughs> or more accurately, I know something you don't know. <laughs> so annoying, wasn't it? We all hate know-it-alls, particularly if we're related to them. Because know-it-alls have this habit, really, of, of constantly correcting others, don't they? No, that's not right. You're wrong whether it's grammar or English or spelling or whatever it is. And sometimes know-it-alls sh uh, show off their knowledge and can end up making people feel inferior. I like the quote from the late Professor Stephen Hawking that says this, the greatest enemy of knowledge is not ignorance, it's the illusion of knowledge. <laughs> it's when people think they know and they try and tell you or try and tell you your job one of the funny things that I've found over the last 30 years, and my pastor friends joke about this, is when someone who's never led a church comes and tells you what you're doing wrong in leading the church, that would be the equivalent of me going in and telling Ian how to do his job. Or with Keegan, no, you're auditing all wrong, Keegan. Sometimes no-dolls aren't helpful. I like the African proverb that says, a wise man never knows all, only fools know everything. <laughs> only fools know everything and, and we have to come to that place like we talked about last week with a bit of humility and say we don't know everything we don't know it all and certainly when it comes to God and our spiritual life we don't know all the answers but we affirm from the Bible that we come to God who is omniscient that we come to a God who, who does know everything <clears throat> in fact this is a slight aside but I felt it was important to put in today because God knows all, he says to us in places like Isaiah 8, verses 19 to 22, why consult the dead on behalf of the living? 
Should not a people inquire of their God? And that's why it's really important that, that we keep away from anything to do with witchcraft, that we keep away from horoscopes, that we keep away from fortune telling and, and young people and kids growing up. Keep away from all that stuff because it, it will bring you into bondage. It will bring you into areas that are not good. And God says, keep away from it. Why should you go to the second division? Why would you consult the dead when you have a living God? God knows everything. Amelia didn't know this morning that what our text was Psalm 139. And what I'm going to do is, is actually, we're going to play just two minutes. Kids, this is a little version of Psalm 139. We can put it out on the signal later. Uh, this is a nice little version of a video. We're just going to play two minutes because it's, it's a total of five minutes. So just play some of that. Thank you. Psalm 139. Lord. You have examined me, so you know all about me. You know when I sit down and when I get up. You know my thoughts before I think them. You know where I go and where I lie down. You know everything I do. Lord, you know what I want to say even before the words leave my mouth. You are all around me, in front of me and behind me. I feel your hand on my shoulder. I am amazed at what you know. It is too much for me to understand. Your spirit is everywhere I go. I cannot escape your presence. If I go up to heaven, you will be there. If I go down to the place of death, you will be there. If I go east where the sun rises, or go to live in the west beyond the sea, even there you will take my hand and lead me. Your strong right hand will protect me. Suppose I wanted to hide from you and said, surely the darkness will hide me. The day will change to night and cover me. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day. Darkness and light are the same. You created every part of me. You put me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because you made me in such a wonderful way. I know how amazing that was. You saw my bones grow as my body took shape, hidden in my mother's womb. You saw my body grow each passing day. You knew that I was there. You saw me before I was born. All the days planned for me were written in your book before any of them ever began. Your Thank thoughts you. are beyond my understanding. They cannot be measured. If I could count them, they... That's enough for now. If you have your Bible, uh, Psalm 139, we just thought that was a slightly different version that would be useful. And if you're joining us today as a guest for the first time, this is actually part five of a series we're doing over the summer. So, yeah, uh, today we're looking at the, the fact that God is an uh, omniscient or all-knowing God. We started by looking at the fact that God is eternal. He's no beginning, no end. He's the everlasting God. He's the omnipotent God. He's all-powerful. He's the unchanging God. So we don't have to worry if he's in a mood or if he's not in a mood. Anybody ever woke up in a bad mood? Anybody in a bad mood? <coughs> He's the incomprehensible God. We can't know everything there is to know about God, but what we do know about his character means we can have confidence in who he is. So I want to develop this idea of the omniscient God today based on Psalm 139. So, Lord, you've examined my heart. You know everything about me. The omniscient, all-knowing God means that he knows everything about his creation. Nothing that we do or say escapes God's notice. I don't know if that encourages you, or frightens you. <laughs> Maybe it's a mixture, mixture of both. But God notices 
all of our daily activities. Sometimes I think people, when they think about God and their spiritual lives, they think God only notices what we do on a Sunday, but he doesn't. He notices the things we do at home. He notices the things we do in the bedroom. He notices everything connected with all of our daily activities. And that's what the idea of the going out and the coming in underlines. It's a Hebrew way of saying all of our activities are before God. There's nothing that's hidden in God's sight. God knows not only every move that we make, but every motive that we have. Hebrews 4 says that the word of God is sharper than a double-edged sword. It's able to divide and discern right into our hearts and know what our actual motive is. Paul writes uh, to the Corinthian church once time and says, in dealing with you, my motive is clear, but that's only my judgment. I I leave the final judgment up to God because he's the one that really discerns where I'm coming. He's the one that really knows. God knows our moves. God knows our very motives as well. Even when others sometimes misunderstand. Has that ever happened to you? You've done the right thing and it's been misunderstood. Well, God knows our motives. And that's where we have to come and as, as Jesus did. First Peter chapter 2, verses 22 and 23 kind of declares it. That Jesus entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Even Jesus, when he was doing right, even when he was speaking the truth and speaking the truth in love, he was misunderstood and rejected. And sometimes that will happen to us even when we're doing the right things. And we have to come back and say, God, you know everything. You know even the motive that I was doing in that. In the New Living Translation, which is the one I use from, verses two to five starts with this phrase, you know or you see. Do you know when parents say, I saw what you did. Parents know stuff, don't they? Uh, They just know stuff about you. They know even when you say you're fine, you're not fine. They just know stuff. And and God knows even better. And the way the Hebrew language is constructed, this this idea of of you there is is emphasized. We, We might say it in our grammar. It's bold, capitalized, and underlined. So the point is, it's not about what we do. It's about the fact that God himself sees and knows. It's God. The psalmist is constantly pointing back. You see, you know, you know, you go before me. Time and time again. And I think that's one of the things we've tried to do in this series. Is take our eyes off ourselves. Take our eyes off our own circumstances. And constantly point back to God's activity and God's work. Because we get so obsessed and self-centered, don't we? We live in a culture that's very focused on me and myself. And folks, if we're going to follow him effectively, then we need to know we we have to come back and fix our eyes on him. We have to come back to God time and time again. Then in verse 5, it says, you go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on me. Some versions say, "You, you hedge me in or you hem me in before and behind. You can James or King James Version, depending on what what you use. The Hebrew word there that you use is the idea of a city that's being besieged. So in a negative sense, a city that's being besieged by an oppressing army. But in this sense, it means surround in a protective and caring sense. Isn't that good to know? In the same way that sometimes you may feel surrounded by the work of the enemy in your life, God actually says, no, 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 you're I'm, I'm surrounded. Isn't that what one of our modern songs says? 
When I'm surrounded in, I have to remember that I'm surrounded by you. That's what it says. You go before me and follow me. You surround me in a protective and loving care. Folks, that's good to know. That nothing that we do or say is hidden before him. Secondly, the omniscient, unknowing God means God is present everywhere in his creation. I can never, verse 7, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. The writer goes on to talk about the most distant places in the universe. That God is present in all of them. There's nowhere that God is not present. There's nowhere that God cannot work. There's nowhere that we can place ourselves beyond God's love. Isn't that what Paul said in Romans 8? Who can separate you from God's love? What that will happen to you in life can separate you from God's love? Shall hardship? Shall trouble? Shall persecution? Shall the sword? No, he said, no, none of these things can separate you from God's love. God is present everywhere in his creation. And we need to remember that. And the scripture reminds us of a couple of verses. Acts 17, verse 28 says, In him we live and move and have our being. We like to think we're masters of our own destiny, don't we? We like to think that we're in control, that we make the decisions. But actually, from a Bible perspective, in him we live and move and have our being. It's in God. Jonah found that out. Remember, uh, as often the prophets did, he's challenged by God to go to Nineveh, not a nice place. They, they burn people alive. They strip people of their skin. This was not a nice place. So, you know, it wasn't unreasonable that, that Joshua had a little bit of doubt about going to this place. So what did he do? He ran in the opposite direction. And the Bible says that God provided a great fish for him. The Bible doesn't say a whale. The Bible says a great fish. And even in that great fish he spends three days there and in Jonah chapter 2 he's later reflecting and says even there your presence was with me even there you were speaking to me even when I was in the belly of that fish folks even when we go in the opposite direction to what God wants us to we're not absent from God's presence we're not absent from God's care it doesn't matter where you've been it doesn't matter what you've done you can come to that place with a renewed awareness that God is present in every part of your life. Because one of the things that happens with people is when they make mistakes, they feel that sense of shame. Oh, I can't go to church because, I can't go because, I can't pray because, and they can list, even in their mind, all of the things that they've thought or said or done wrong, and they feel that sense of shame. But even with the prophet Jonah, who ran away from God, And actually in chapter four, he was still angry. Read it. Jonah is left hanging. It's the end of season cliffhanger. Jonah is left angry. We never know, does Jonah resolve his anger before God? So even the prophet of God had unresolved issues. But here's one thing that I've learned in pastoral experience. That the greatest difficulty comes not in forgiving others, but in forgiving yourself. Not in forgiving others for what they've done, but in forgiving yourself. And if you would forgive yourself for being human, (laughs) for being imperfect, for making mistakes, you know what? It would make your Christian life a lot easier. Jeremiah 23 verse 24. Can anyone hide from me in the secret place? Am I not everywhere in all the heavens and the earth, says the Lord? 
when it's so starkly contrasted like that, it seems a nonsense, doesn't it? But we try and do it, don't we? We try and hide from God. We, we, we try and pretend that, well, if I don't speak it out, <laughs> maybe he won't see. But God sees everything. God is everywhere present in his creation. And the purpose in that, verse 10, Psalm 139, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. That idea of supporting is to hold and grasp in the sense of sustaining something. One of Bev's favorite verses is Colossians when we did that series. He is the one who holds everything together. In him, everything holds together. Your life is held together by him. You're not holding on by your fingernails. You're held by him. If you're a follower of Christ, your life is hidden with Christ in God. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3.23 that you are Christ's and Christ is God's. Isn't that a great sense of security? Isn't that a great sense of, of knowledge, of knowing the God of all the universe? And he comes to sustain you. Maybe you need that sustaining this morning. Maybe it's been a tough season for you and you think, well, no one really knows, no one really understands and, and maybe no one else human does. But God is there willing and able to sustain you. Jude 24 says this, now all glory to God who is able to keep you from falling and will bring you with great joy into his glorious presence without a single fault. That's Christ's plan for your life. Do you have a five-year plan? God has an eternal plan. God's plan for you is far bigger and far greater and more magnificent than you can even imagine. That's why in Ephesians 2 verse 10 he says, we are God's workmanship. Literally means we are God's poetry. We are God's workmanship, God's piece of poetry that he has created for us to do in eternity. God has an eternal plan for your life. Far bigger than you have imagined. Far bigger than you can think. He is there to sustain and support you. He is able to keep you from falling. Thirdly, omniscient, unknowing God means God made us and planned for our lives. You made all the delicate inward parts of my body. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of the sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. When the mysteries of creation itself are astounding, what we don't know. But the, the mysteries of procreation and, and God forming, there's so much we don't know. I love watching um, programs uh, uh, related to surgery. There's nothing like a good brain surgery day. Oh yeah. My brother was a charge nurse for 30 years. He used to work in surgery as well. He used to come home talking about drilling into the brains and topping this. Oh, I used to love it. I love a good medical program. But you remember a series that Robert, Professor Robert Winston did? 
And they were, they were talking about how uh, conception and how gestation and how, how children grow. And there's so much that they don't know. Every child is a miracle. Did I see peace here earlier? Is she a miracle? Absolute miracle. Children are a miracle. How they grow, how they know chocolate is good for you. You ever noticed that? I, I watched a great little uh, thing on Instagram with a kid having ice cream for the first time. Never had it before. So there's this cone of the kid's quite casual sitting in the high chair. Takes one lick, the eyes go wide, grabs the cone, <laughs> shoves it into the face. Kids know stuff, don't they, as well? How they grow, how their brain develops is absolutely amazing. We know so little about it, really. The wonder and awe at our inability, really, to understand God's creation. There's so much that we simply don't know, and the development of the child was considered to be one of the greatest mysteries in ancient Jewish wisdom. Ecclesiastes 11, verse 5. Such a mystery. God's knowledge... For us, includes the, the beginning, development, and completion of all of our life. Just think about that for a moment. Even before you were born, God had a plan and a purpose for you. You're not an accident. You're not a random set of molecules. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. In a few moments, we'll be dedicating E.D., but one of the verses that's, that's often used around the time of dedication is Proverbs 22, verse 6. I'm going to read it in the New King James Version. Many of you will know it in that version. Train a child up in the way he should, way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. NLT says this, direct your children onto the right path, and when they are older, they will not leave it. And what that verse has sometimes been used to say or, or given the impression, if you bring your, your child up and you teach them the Bible and you bring them to church, don't worry, everything will be fine. But that's not always true, is it? It can't be what the scripture's saying because we know it's not true. There are good and godly people whose families have completely abandoned the faith. Not because they've done anything wrong, not because they were ungodly, they've just turned their, their back on God. So this verse simply can't mean that. It's not a cast iron and guarantee of children turning out the way we had hoped. Or that they'll stay faithful in church. I'm sorry, that's not what it's saying. If you've been told that, lift that pressure off yourself immediately. Nor is it an excuse, as happens in some cultures, where the, the pressure is put on people, oh, you should be a doctor, you should be a lawyer, you should be... That happens in some cultures, doesn't it? Some of you come from the cultures where that's exactly true, where the parents basically say, we want you to be this, and education is the key to that, and they'll push children beyond what they're capable of at times. And I've met a lot of people who were pressurized into careers, and at the first opportunity, they got out. Why? Because it wasn't right for them. Train a child in a way that they should go literally means that we should nurture Educate, discipline, and guide a child in the way that God has gifted them, in the way that God has made them, according to how he has designed them, that we nurture them and that we shape them in that way so that when they find their own way, they'll not depart from it. You know, I have two sons. 
was in the barber yesterday to get my hair cut. The barber was older than my, my, my sons. I couldn't believe it when I told him I have a 29 and a 27 year old. And we were talking a little bit about that and we're, we're talking a little about the differences one of my sons is, is, is one of our sons, is very artistic, very creative. He's a jewelry designer, doesn't really like sport at all. The other one is anything with the ball he can hit. He's just one of those kids, anything is hand-eye coordination, absolutely superb. He used to climb uh, up everything, over everything, pulled curtains off the walls. Also, our friends called him Spider-Man. He, he, he now works as a tree surgeon, so I, I think he's found his vocation. <laughs> but we remember when the kids were young, the eldest one, if you just looked at him to tell him off, he could burst into tears. The youngest one, you could beat him within an inch of your, your, his life. We never did, by the way. Just <laughs> You could have, and he would have just looked at you and, and said, is that all you got? <laughs> Kids are very different, aren't they? We know that. They're all different. And, and so how we train them, how we educate them, how we nurture them has to be different. We can't, I want to be careful when I say this, but parents, you cannot expect your children to fulfill your life dreams. Nurture them, train them in the way that they should go. If they love Excel spreadsheets, then let them be accountants. <laughs> if they don't, <laughs> let them find other jobs. There's lots of different ways. And I think it's really important that, that we see kids as unique. They're gifted in, in very different ways. I was asking Musa about Edie, properly called Edith. What's she like? What's her character? We know some of it. I'm getting to know her a little bit better because she's now speaking to me, which is good. And we asked, what's, what's Edith like? Give me for each of the letters, Liz, you'll know you were a teacher. Is this an acrostic or an acronym? It's an acrostic, thank you. I always get acrostic and acronym uh, confused. I'm sure one of you teachers will tell me later the difference. So we said for Edith, what's Edith really like? Edith is expressive. You're expressive, Edith. You let people know what you're thinking, huh? She's determined. We like determined children, don't we? Because we want kids to know their own mind, to be able to speak up. We need the children who are determined. <laughs> Not that determined, though. Not that determined. We need kids who are inquisitive after the service. We want kids to be curious because that's how they learn. Their minds are like sponges. We want them to ask questions. We want them to learn. We want them to grow. Jesus said, unless you become like little children, little children have teachable humility. They want to learn. Tender-hearted. She's giving me hugs now. It's, it's a good thing. I've moved from being the high five guy. Do you know that's all some of the kids know me as? The high five guy? Don't know my name. Don't know my pastor. I'm just a high five guy. But thankfully with Edith, she's moved on to that. And the final one is she's helpful. Be helpful, Edith. 
you know there's studies that suggest that if you don't teach a child by the time they're four or five to take responsibility for helping out around the house and for doing things, they never learn to take that. So actually, as parents, it's really important that you teach them to be helpful, that you teach them to take responsibility, that you educate them in that way. Mollycoddling them and mothering them to the extent of over-functioning for them does not help them at all. We want them to grow into mature adults. So being helpful is a really important thing. Now, I, I think because of that dress, we need to get you up. Come on, come on. You can stand on there. Doesn't she look lovely? So Kerry's going to come and lead us in the dedication part and in a moment. Well, why don't you guys come up now? The family are going to come as well. Okay, it's wonderful. As you know, those of you that are visitors, as a church, we really value children. We love what they bring to us as a congregation, and we really value their input in our services, in our worship. And so it's wonderful to welcome Edie. Edie, I know you've got a really loud voice. Could you say hello to everybody? Hello. Good girl. So that's Edie saying hello. And it's really lovely, obviously, to see Musa and also to see Musa's sister Kaz and Uncle James. And obviously Josie, who is... Jason. Jason, sorry. And um, I don't know why I said that. And also Josie, who is obviously Edie's nanny. So it's lovely to welcome you all. And we want to welcome Musa, Edie and all the family, including those that are watching online. So if anyone's watching online, you're also very welcome and part of our worship as well. Um, And our aim aim is to honour them as a family as they recognise God as the giver of life, and in particular, as the giver of ED to them. And Moose has come in today to say that as, as Edie's mum, she is making a promise to do her best to bring Edie up in a way that teaches her about God by her words and by her example to her. Musa recognises the need to completely rely on God to be able to do that. And then us, as, our, as Edie's church family, what a privilege we're coming together to offer our support, to do this and to pray for Musa as well as for Edie, that she will know God's blessing on her life. And Jesus, as we know, found children irresistible. Jesus modelled that God highly values children. And our readings are going to show us that now. Our first one is from Mark 9, and some of our amazing church children are going to do our first reading for us. Then Jesus took a small child and stood the child in front of the followers. He held the child in his arms and said... Whoever accepts children like these in my name is accepting me, and anyone who accepts me is also accepting the one who sent me. An amazing reading showing us how we should value children within our church setting. 
And we also know that, as David has said, sometimes children don't like being told what to do, but children are great imitators. Mm. And you will learn that very quickly as parents. And that's why it's really important, Musa, that we are really representing God in all that we're doing, because they learn that from us. And that's what our second reading tells us. So it's so important that we're representing God in our words, in our actions, and in the way that we relate to other people. Musa, I know you already do that. You're an amazing example to Edie, and so we want to support you in that as we do. So I'm going to ask Musa some promises. I'm going to just come around this way so I'm next to her. Okay. So Musa, I'm just going to ask you in front of your church family to just uh, dedicate yourself to bringing Edie up with God. So Musa, will you teach Edie the truth? so that as she grows older, she'll realise the love of God the Father and the possibility of coming into a personal relationship with God for herself through Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour. I will. Will you try to conduct your own life so that by your words and your example, Edie will learn to live with joy and harmony with Christian principles and values? I will. Do you promise to share with all the understanding of God's love that you have and with God-given wisdom and ability, ensure that you participate in looking after the physical and spiritual welfare of ED. Yes, I will. Fantastic. Thank you. It's on the back. And so now this is our part as their church family. So I think it'd be really good if we can all just stand up. And we're just going to commit ourselves to support Musa and her family as she brings Edie up. So do you acknowledge, along with the parents, our responsibility to care for the spiritual and physical well-being of all our children, to seek by word and example to encourage them to experience salvation through faith in Jesus alone and to take their place as active members of his church? I will. Fantastic. Thank you. If you'd like to sit back down. Wonderful. Edie, can you just stay up with us? And Mummy, if you want to go and sit down, thank you so much for all your support. And I'll probably jump down now. Can you jump? Fantastic. Because we've got three people that are going to come. Edie, you come and stay up with me, darling. got three people that are going to come up and pray with you. And they're three people that I know are very special to you. So Bethany, I know she's one of the first people that you look for when you come into church. So Bethany, do you want to come up? And also Darcy, you're going to come up and pray. And Alithia is going to come up and pray. Fantastic. So we've just got some special prayers for Edie. Wonderful. Darcy, do you want to go first? Yeah. Dear God, 
Thank you for Edie. I pray that you will look after her and her family. Help her to know she is loved and precious. Use her imagination and joy to spread your love. Amen, Darcy. Fantastic. Thank you. So uh, I think we all should stretch our hands towards Edie mm -hmm. and speak a word of blessing over her. So Father, we thank you for Edie today. We pray your blessing over her, yeah. your favor, your protection over Edie. Lord, we pray that she will be blessed with your wisdom. And Lord, we pray that you will guide her with every decision she makes. Lord, we pray that she will be a successful person in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Dear God, I thank you for Izzy. I pray that you guide her, protect her, help her when she finds something difficult. I also pray that she grows her that as she grows, her relationship with you grows as well and that she will be a strong leader when she grows up. And so, Lord, we just commit this family into your hands. We thank you so much for them. We thank you for all that they bring to us as a church family. And Lord, we really do pray that your protection, your love, your guidance and your power will just be over Edie as she grows up. We pray that you will show us how to support Musa, show us how to guide and how to love Edie. And we just place them into your hands, thanking you for them. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I think Edie deserves a clap. Fantastic. I'm just going to sit down. Thank you. We, as usual, have got our prayer box. This has become a bit of a tradition in the church um, where if children are dedicated, we write our prayers for them and put them in a box so that as they grow up, they'll know what was prayed over them during their special service. So if anyone's got any prayers, the ones that have been said will be put in there, but also there's some paper at the back. It will be wonderful to give Edie some prayers as she grows up. And we've also got, sorry Edie, do you want to just come back up really quickly? We've got a special certificate for you, just to show you when you were dedicated that us as a church family and the promises that your mum made. So if you want to take that. And then I think just stand here a minute, because I think David's just going to do a special one that you couldn't have a dedication service no, without. No, you can't have a dedication in your life without an Irish blessing. <laughs> it's, you know, you understand. So this is an Irish blessing for dedication. Dearest Father in heaven, bless this child and bless this day of new beginnings. Smile upon this child. Surround this child, Lord, with a soft mantle of your love. Teach this child to follow in your footsteps, to live life in the ways of love, faith, and hope. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, darling. You can sit down. So with any dedication, there is a responsibility for those who have parental care. And there's a responsibility on us as the church. And this is where I want to bring us to our final point, Psalm 139, just for a few minutes as we close. Psalm 139, David talks about some of the difficult circumstances that he faced in. The fact that he faced enemies, the fact that there were people surrounding him who, who didn't want to do God's will. 
And he concludes the psalm with this, this verse that was read earlier. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Po- point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. David concluded with this prayer really of saying, Lord, would you test me like a refiner will test metal? Would you come in and, and search the depths of, of my heart? The God who knows everything, that's how he started. The God who knows everything would also know David's anxious thoughts. The word that's used there it talks about doubts or fears. And sometimes we have those in our relationships. Sometimes our children will have those. But God knows even those. And he asks us to bring those to him. He doesn't ask us to pretend. He doesn't ask us to stuff those difficult feelings down. He asks us to bring them to him. So that he can do a work in us. In fact, when he says, see if there's any offensive way. Anything that offends you. It literally means this. The way of pain. (laughs) In other words, if there's anything that I'm doing in my life that's wrong, that's causing me pain, and that's causing you pain, Lord, would you point it out? That's a challenging prayer, isn't it? That's a challenging prayer because God is interested in the response of loyalty to him. If you're a regular here, you will know I say this regularly enough. We're not preaching for information. We're preaching for transformation. God wants change in our hearts. God wants to bring change in our hearts. And part of that is that we become more like him. Part of that is we have that undivided heart. Bev and I do a a Lectio. Uh, It's an app that you can use. Many of you will use it already. And yesterday morning they had a, a lovely prayer on it. It says this, Jesus, I pray for an undivided heart. Will you show me today if any comfort Any security, any possession is robbing me of love for you. (laughs) See, God's not just interested in us going through a religious service and saying, well, I'm glad that's over. I can have a cup of tea and a chocolate biscuit now. He's actually interested in our loyalty. He's actually interested in our heart. And we sung it earlier. I will lift my hands to the coming king. I will serve no foreign God. That's based on Joshua 24, verse 15. My salvation verse. It's the verse that I came to faith by. And it basically says, choose today whom you will serve. Choose today whom you will serve. God is looking for that response of loyalty. Whatever stage we're at, God is wanting us to say yes to him. Maybe you've been a Christian for 40 years. Maybe you've been a follower of Jesus for 40 years. Maybe you've never yet taken that step to say yes to God. Can we all come to this place of loyalty today? Can we all come to this place of really examining our lives before God? Because that's what Paul says. 2 Corinthians 13.5 Examine yourself to see if your faith is genuine. Test yourself. Surely you know that Jesus Christ is among you. If not, you have failed the test of genuine faith. It is appropriate that we examine. It is appropriate that we come before God and say, God, would you test my heart? Would you see if there's any wrongdoing, if there's any offensive way in me that's causing me pain and that may be causing you pain? I wonder, are you willing to do that today? Are you willing to come to God and ask him 
to allow you to bring that response of loyalty to him. In a moment, Amelia and the team were gonna come and lead us in the song that they wrote. And some of the words say this, take my life, O blessed Savior, hold me close to you, guide my path so it leads me back to you. For all of us today, whatever age, whether we're four like Edie, whether we're 90, doesn't matter what age we are, God's looking for that response of loyalty to him. Will you come and bring that? So Father, we thank you that you are the all-knowing God. We thank you, Lord, that as we come and as we sing, we want to make it our prayer today that you would take our life Take our life, Lord, in all that we are, with all the faults, with all the feelings, with all the complexity. Let it lead back to you. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Team, we're going to come and lead us. It may be a new song for some of you, but it's a very simple one to sing together. So as we do that, let's stand. And then we'll close the service in prayer and be able to have some tea and coffee together. Thank you. Yeah, Father, that's our prayer this morning. That you'll lead us back to you in that response of loyalty to you. That we serve you with an undivided heart. Lord, help us all to say yes to you today. Whatever stage we are in our journey, help us to say yes. In Jesus' name. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious towards you. May he give you peace in the name of Jesus. Amen. Please stay for some tea and coffee if you're able to. If you need prayer, then come to the front and some of the guys uh, will be happy to pray for you. God bless you. See you soon. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope that you enjoyed the teaching. We'd love to hear from you, so please contact us. All the details can be found on our website. God bless.